Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Boom and boom. All right, well, welcome in, guys. It is May 2nd, 2022. The first Monday following the draft, and that means it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I'm Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, good friend and co-host after a long weekend, uh, Scott Kennedy. Scott, are you feeling awake yet? I am. I've had two cups of coffee yet, and I still am just exhausted. <laughs> I haven't had my first sip yet, so uh, I'm getting there. So I, I, I was one of those where I was tired enough that I fell asleep early and then slept mm. through most of the night. So I actually feel pretty good, you know. So it's like, you know, I think you're kind of like me. It's like my idea of like vacations and stuff is pretty exhausting. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to party. It's like I'm up at six doing stuff all day. I'm in bed at nine. That's yeah. my idea of a vacation. <laughs> so busy day yesterday. Um, draft sports weekend. Now what? Now what do we do? And that's today's show, guys. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. No, it's it was a good weekend. Uh, I think we were on the air for. 16 hours uh, at least combined. yeah at least and then eric came in and cleaned up last night uh chad texted me from a while well, i was at a baseball game he's like it's gonna be me and you tonight and i'm like i don't think it is it turned out i could have because we blew a five-run lead in the fifth inning but mm. uh so it ended up being eric last night so eric luckily still had the the lungs to go last night and did a real good job with chad last night on mile huddle so if you haven't watched that one check it out it's a good episode all right, well, let's say hello to everybody coming in right now. We got James Hyatt. Good morning, Scott and Nick, favorite Broncos show. Nice of you to say that, James. Uh, let me say, I believe we had a good draft. People had high expectations of Peyton in the draft. We got Russell Wilson, and with the picks they used, I believe they did very well. Excited? Let's ride. Um, we got DWI guys, Ethan, coming in saying, good morning, Jensen, Broncos country. Mile High Truth saying, don't make me have to turn or yell at you. <laughs> good morning, Broncos country. I like that one. Uh, good job of the dad jokes there. Jeremy Sean saying good morning Broncos for Broncos for breakfast fam very interested to talk draft this morning Sean Burns in the house Franklin Peterson good morning to you guys uh Clee saying who knew the Falcons would have a good wide a good draft after taking a wide receiver at eight this is more so a conversation for wins Wednesday Scott but uh again you took the first wide receiver off the board wide receivers went off like hotcakes after that Mm -hmm. and uh ended up cleaning up I think day two probably one of the better day twos of the draft it wouldn't have been my pick, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player. So yeah. if I'm going to say it before, I'll say it again. It doesn't ma- necessarily matter. It does, it's not who you who you miss that kills you. It's who you take that can't play. And Drake London can play. You know, he, he can yeah. play. Um, would I have done something different? Absolutely. But, you know, it's still a, it, he's still a fairly exciting prospect for you out there at, you know, 6'5 and, and a, a big-bodied wide receiver. And, again, I, I like the big wide receivers. I'm just not going to delude myself into thinking that – he's the odds-on favorite for rookie of the year. It was, like, offensive rookie of the year. He came out, like, number one. I'm like, short that one because they don't, they don't have enough offense to make him offensive rookie no. of the year. So go ahead and short that one. It'll be somebody else. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had a really good their day treat day two. I mean, took taking Arnold Abiquetti, somebody that I love, Troy Anderson, your guy, Desmond Ritter, and then doubling up at the edge, which is something we've talked about on here a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, doubling up on a position to really raise the floor of there, and you can use both those guys in a uh, Doug Malone and Arnold Abiquetti. So great draft by the Falcons. I'm excited to see what they do going forward. Hopefully, Jake Jack. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. You can pull That's the next okay. one. Uh, Jacob Foster, the silent one with big stars coming up on our first. Uh, Broncos for breakfast for May kicking us off right. So thank yeah. you, Jacob. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And Jeremy's saying uh, Benito over Muma and Lucas traded 75 over Travis Jones or Ryman uh, Dulcich over Marcus Jones, Leal Mal- Marcus Jones, Leal Malone, Dean <laughs> trade 96 over Chanel Winfrey turning yellow over Woolen. Let's go and McCollum. Yeah. Um, I probably would have the way the board fell. I would not have taken uh I would not have sat there at 64. I probably would have gone up and gotten one of those guys that fell just barely down the board, especially because the, what did the Bengals do? They traded 63 in a six round pick to go up to 60. Uh, I would have given them one of the fifth round picks after seeing what the Broncos got in the fifth round uh, to, to go up there and get one of those last uh, tier guys. But uh, we'll see how it turns out. We can get more back to that earlier. I've heard some uh, confirmed rumors, I guess I'll say on that end. Um, we also have uh, Sean Burns saying, don't forget to like and share. Absolutely. Also, Jeremy saying Montreal, Washington over Tyson Anderson and Braxton Jones. Yeah, that's the one that's uh sticks out to me, but it's a fifth round pick. We'll see how it's we'll see how it turns out. Uh, Ethan saying I'm not doing any mock drafts before next year's draft. It's best to acknowledge I have no clue rather than be upset. Nobody has any clue. Um, every team has their own board. We just uh, we're having fun with it and trying to learn about these prospects along the way and talk team building and all get smarter. So uh, don't get upset, Ethan. We're going to have some fun with it. And hopefully this draft turns out pretty well. EJ, good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. Oh, and like I've said a zillion times, it's usually about trying to figure out where the prospects will go, what yeah. area. So by doing the mock drafts, you know, we figured out, hey, Abraham Lucas could be available. He was, you know, yeah. uh, Chad Muma, these guys, who could be available and who could you choose from? And there were three or four guys that we really liked that were available in that spot. So I'm not going to, I like doing the mock drafts, but just remember, that's what you're using them for. Not to say, okay, this is who they will pick. For me, it's more, what range of prospects will you have to choose from? And you can narrow it down a little bit. Um, you know, as we were coming in, uh, you know, Nick Benito was a distinct possibility because I know that y'all were dreading it as I was watching it live. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I think Eric was more upset. You're a little bit more level-headed on these type of things, but I think Eric was more upset about it at the time. He's like, this is a guy I've been talking bad about for a month now. And that's, you know, but he's got a chance, you know, you were drafting at 64. Yeah. You know, again, that's the thing to remember. You're drafting at 64. That's basically third round. So your expectations have to be tempered a little bit about what the type of prospect is that you're able to get at that spot anyway. And you're looking for traits. The kid's fast. He can rush yeah. a passer. Okay. If I can turn him into a one sack a game guy, I got pretty good value. So we'll see. We will see. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Klee coming in asking, does Ojemudia make the team? It would be an absolute shock if he doesn't. The only way he doesn't make the team is if somebody trades some value for him. Um, he's he's definitely a part of the plan this season. Uh, Kayleon Green saying, yo, what would you guys think of the draft? I think the draft was okay. Um, like Scott said, I went back and I, I watched Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Nebraska for Nick Benito yesterday. You know, the just, you know, the cutups of the defense versus uh, those teams' offenses. And, you know, you see the flashes with Nick Benito, but then you see times where it's like, does this buddy have arms? Does he like to use his hands? Because uh, I don't, I'm not seeing it on here. You know, kind of 
shark thrashing. You know how sharks, when they grab meat and they twist, um, kind of like a <laughs> pin drive. That's what he's doing, trying to fall into the gap there. And then I'm telling myself, okay, late second round pick, essentially a third round pick, late second round pick, essentially a third round pick. It's a little bit of a bummer um, for me on my end because I feel like there were tier guys, like the, the tier cleared up. The tier above them all of a sudden dried up, and at pick 64, you're picking at guys who probably go typically, you know, 70 to 80 in most drafts. Um, at least how I saw them. And that's a bummer. And also heard from a few different people. I uh, can't, I guess, directly confirm it here, but the Broncos did try to trade up for to 60 and 61 to get Drake Jackson, to get Cam Taylor Britt, uh, two guys that actually mocked the Broncos in my mock, um, two guys that they wanted, couldn't get up. Um, then at 64, they tried to trade down, not to take Benito at 64, tried to trade down to 67 to about 70, uh, maybe still get him there, maybe trade completely out of 64. No takers. So in the end, they're like, uh, we like Benito. We'll just take him. Um, so hearing that also kind of is just a little bit, <sighs> damn it. Um, but uh, it, it is what it is. You know, 31 other teams drafting. Uh, you got a good pass rush there. And uh, he's going to be a fun player. And obviously, they they were looking for somebody who's this hybrid tweenery pass rusher. You know, talking about uh, the likes of Baron Browning becoming this edge rusher, cross-trained linebacker edge rusher you know and a lot of us were like oh why would you do that baron Browning was so good at linebacker last year don't mess with that well they obviously valued the guy who is that finesse you know sub package rusher that can do different things because they already were talking about moving Browning. so i'm trying to kind of piece it together here again cam taylor Britton, drake jackson right there Ugh, only took a sixth round pick for the Bengals to move up i would have done that but uh, that's completely hindsight so i think it was it was okay we'll see how it plays out uh in the end dave glassman coming into the stars Thank you. And uh, Kaylee on saying, Scott, y'all got a QB. Congrats, Scott. <laughs> Congrats on Desmond Ritter. Third uh, round. I think I think that was good value. You know, value. towards it. I saw him hocked at eight, hocked, mocked at eight, for God's sakes. Yeah. Like, that's when the mock draft people are losing their minds. You know, yeah. when it's like, no, <laughs> no, they're not, you know, Desmond Ritter not at eight. 80? Okay. You know, I think, he, what was he, 72 where he came in somewhere in that, that neighborhood? Um, that's that's a good spot to get him because he's a body. They needed a body. He's a body with some tools and you're still looking for a quarterback in 2023. Yeah. And he seems like an ideal backup. I mean, just everybody raves about his work ethic, competitiveness, intelligence, just a little bit, you know, shoot and pray uh, sometimes with that accuracy. So we'll we'll see why they went and got a basketball team to catch Mm -hmm. passes. That's not a bad point. Uh, Mandango dancing. Good morning, Broncos country. Major props to Nick for her Herculean effort yesterday. Major props. <laughs> Major props. And looks like Scott's birds did as well. They did do well. And yeah, I'm still pretty exhausted. Um, have not caught They're up not on sleep. My yet. birds, my blues spit the bit yesterday against Everton. That's my team. Spit the bit. That's a, they choke. Uh, they lost one nil to a team battling relegation. Yes, it was pretty yeah, bad. That's, that's so, not great. Yep. Yeah. All right. Connor Klein coming in. So what's up guys? I'm not exactly happy with our draft class, but it has potential for the Falcons. I'm very happy for you. Scott seems like you guys had a good haul. Uh, EJ coming in Broncos drafted an offensive tackle in 2017 with Garrett Bowles. It's been five years since we've invested a single draft pick in an offensive tackle. Well, here's me just to push up my glasses real quick and be like, actually, uh, the Broncos did draft a Dalton Reisner who played predominantly tackle uh, out of Kansas state in 2019 so if you want to be specific, they did draft a tackle. It's just with his draft arm a length. player for tackle. Yeah. Nope. To absolutely. play offensive tackle. And then they drafted a guy yeah. that projected his tackle. We know what you meant. He's just being a yeah. smart aleck. I have to. Um, I have no choice. <laughs> uh, never had a choice. Um, the, yeah, no, I think it's, this is a good point here. And it makes me think that 
the Broncos are very process driven um, and they tried new analytics out this season. But I do think that at, at a certain point, the Broncos don't value drafting a tackle more so than they value grabbing one out of the undrafted free agency class. Um, you heard George Payton talk about it in the um, his pro- pre-draft com- uh, press conference where he mentioned, you know, there's a bunch of guys we like in the first round, some early too. And after that, you know, not, not as enthralled uh, or enthused about this tackle class. You know, bringing some in a couple undrafted free agents, but I guess they just don't value those later guys. And from what I've heard, again, this is Rumor City. Hello, everybody. Uh, if, if Tyler Smith would have fallen to, you know, early second round, uh, who the Dallas Cowboys took in the first round, Broncos would have been interested in moving up. Alas, he went and gobbled up pretty early, earlier than most people thought he would be. So uh, it is what it is. I probably would have been happy taking Raymond or Abraham Lucas at 64, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, Broncos didn't value them as much. And they, Again, going back on this, I think they value the arm length, kind of pushing Raymond off the board there with his sub 33 inch arms. Um, they have some sounds like the Broncos have some pretty strict thresholds there, not just for the tackles actually, but all the offensive linemen. So that's another caveat coming out of this that I heard. And they also value their run blocking. Abraham Lucas not such a good run blocker on tape, so it kind of makes sense. It, of it just seems you know you look especially with that next pick for Denver with Greg Dulcich at 80. Yeah, you know if I just go up 10 spots. There's half a dozen guys I really liked in those picks. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're like, okay, at 79, JT Woods. Now, I like JT Woods. You want to talk about a guy with traits? Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at Abraham Lucas at 72, Chad Muma at 70, uh, Travis Jones at 76, Bernard Raymond at 77. Um, what could you have thrown to move up just a couple of spots to to grab one of those guys? I think. You know, and Dulcich might be the guy you need. We said we need another tight end in Denver. Yeah. Well, you got one, but I would have preferred any one of those guys who just went just a couple picks earlier. It's not like we're saying, oh, we were at 15. It would have cost a King's ransom to move up five spots. You know, what would it have cost to jump up in the third round? You know, a yeah. sixth? Yeah. So, but again, uh, just because I like him doesn't mean that, that that's how it's going to be. So, and obviously, <clears throat> you know, We'll see how it plays out, but that, I would have preferred to go in a different direction in a few of these spots. And we'll we'll get into those. So yeah, uh, as we go through, we can go through each pick and say right guy or you know what would you have done? Yeah, well, we'll see how it plays out uh, when we're going through it. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, um, but well, it's not hindsight yet. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it'll be hindsight when we say what we're going to do, and then we look back in five years and say, yeah, we what we said we would have done at the time turned out to be right. A little bit of hindsight, though, as far as, you know, we can talk about who's at 64 when we know who's going to be available at pick 115, 116. You know, like when you're making the draft live, you don't know that you can get Damari Mathis there. No, no, no. Pick, but, yeah. but I yeah. do know at 64, I know Abraham Lucas was on the board. Yep. I know that. <laughs> I know Travis Jones was available. I know that. Yep. You know, not saying, okay, I'm going to try and hold back and get him. I'm ta- How I want to do this little exercise, I'm at 64. Who would you have taken? Yeah, uh, we'll get into it here. We got to clear out and say hello to some people. And uh, thank you for the support that's coming in, guys. Uh, Thaddeus coming in. Hello. Good morning to you. Uh, Mac 85 City. Good morning, guys. Sky Griffin pumping me up here saying Nick did a great job this weekend. That's really nice of you to say. It was a uh, it was a long weekend. Um, I feel like we took a little bit of time to get our gears going, you know, early on. We totally changes the dynamic when you have we've been doing two shows 100 times. Then you had four people, five people. Um, but uh, a lot of fun. I'm happy to be on the other side, but uh, wouldn't have changed the thing. Thaddeus, so let's go Denver. Django, Django come in and saying, what's up, guys? Um, Thaddeus all saying, let's go Jamar Johnson, 41. Jamar Johnson better bring his big boy pants. 
uh, and pads to camp this year because the Broncos took two, three defensive backs, a kind of profile slot safety stuff. So uh, better get some special teams reps going there, uh, Jamar Johnson, because that's going to be your avenue to making the team. Um, Benjamin Flores saying, morning, fellas. Nick, you are cracking me up on day two of the draft. War of, war of attrition. Glad you guys are having fun with it. That's what I, you know, this is entertainment. We're supposed to be having fun with it, trying to educate you guys along the way, but it's not that serious. So uh, I want to have fun with it. I'm glad if you guys are picking up that just having a good time, then that's what counts. Morning from Biggie Bronco and talking about the support coming in, saying Mark Schrader. Uh, thank you so much, Mark, for constantly being a big supporter of the show. Uh, great job this week, and I hated missing out on Travis Jones. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, did Eric talk very much of Travis Jones last night? It does sound like there was a minor uh, red f- uh, medical flag that pushed him down. Not enough mm-hmm. to obviously have him plummet out of the draft completely. I think we probably did overvalue him slightly um, in hindsight compared to the league. You know, we were talking about him going 20 to 40. Well, if it's medicals, you know, yeah. <clears throat> we'll see if we valued him correctly or not as yeah. uh, time. Yeah. That's what time will tell. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but again, I think I think y'all said it <clears throat> popped up during. Uh, and thanks for the support, Mark, of yeah, course. Thank you so much. Uh, I think they said it popped up during the combine or whatnot. I mean, how bad could it have been? Jesus yeah. Christ. He had a combine of combines. He was awesome at the NFL combine. My guess, and I want to look to see, did he bench press? You know, if we're talking shoulders or anything like that. Um, But as far as his agility drills, his agility stuff was amazing. Yeah, no, he... uh he did well the combine. Bench is a thing. Very few people did the bench. He skipped the bench, did the vertical, 29-inch vert, 110-inch broad jump, 733, uh, El Cone, and 458 shuttle with a sub 540. I mean, he killed it. He he yeah. had an awesome combine. Yeah, he did. Um, surprised to see him fall, man. The Ravens had a great draft this year, uh, as always. But Raiders and Chiefs and Jets and Falcons all really stand out to me as a team that drafted exceptionally well. Uh, Bryce coming in here saying, always trust Peyton. He's led us to great changes, but man, I wish we could have gotten Areza. Mm-hmm. Needed to upgrade that punter. Uh, let's hope we never punt. Yeah, three punters. Two or three punters off the board before Areza uh, gets drafted. Good punter class. Very much a day three of specialists. I mean, the Browns kicking it off with a punt or a kicker in round four. Broncos taking a... Very small school, a diminutive kick returner that didn't test exceptionally well. Had a really good game against Florida, though. Some good return stuff, but very specialist-oriented day three of the draft. Curious uh, your thoughts on that, Scott. Oh, what What's interesting is, you know, Matt Areza coming from San Diego State, maybe the best climate in the entire country. Yeah. Going to Buffalo. <laughs> you know, that's one of those where, uh, you know, his longtime girlfriend just says, you know, it's been great. I'm staying yeah. here in San Diego. <laughs> yep. So uh, I I think um, the I wanted to, I highlighted that comment from Bryce because you know he says always trust Peyton. I I the best player available the trust the coaches. Those are the buzzwords. There's several of them. This make me cringe. Yeah. And the trust the coaches one you didn't say it because you you said I trust him is. I trust him to do what he thinks is best, not to make the right decision because no one always makes the right decision. There's mm-hmm. going to be mistakes and, and that's okay. We'll say, and, and he, they've got doubt. Nobody's making these decisions with a hundred percent certainty as they're going, you see us do this. It's like, why did you do that? I would have done something else. So I'm like, you know what? I almost did. Um, I almost went, I almost did something else too. I could have been talked out of this real easy. Um, always trust him to, to make the decision he thinks is best for the team. Uh, but I don't trust the coaches to be right. 
that's insane. That's not trust. That's blind faith. Yeah. And that's what we're here for, you know, to have some fun and, and know that, listen, I think they're, they're going to do what they think is right. Obviously, I trust them to do what they think is best. We don't always feel like that about our coaches, honestly. Nope. You know, sometimes I feel like they're not doing what's best for the team. <laughs> and, uh, and in this case, no, nobody's going to get them all right. And we're going we're gonna to talk back and forth about this. You know, you see in the comments, it's like, well, trust the coaches. What do you know? Well, then why are you here? You don't need to come into the chat and tell us that, you know, trust the coaches. You can just stay out of the chat and yell at the TV. You know, <laughs> we're here to discuss, debate, and have fun with it. Yep, exactly. Uh, Dom, and also for a space for other people to discuss and have fun with it. Yeah, uh, not just absolutely. That's why I mean we. When I say we, I mean yeah, the royal we. Yeah, all of us. For sure. All y'all. Yeah, y'all's y'all. Uh, Dom in the house. Good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. How do you guys feel about Peyton getting 15 free agents signed? Uh, interesting. You got such a big class. I love the uh, signing of Christopher Allen um, from Alabama. I mean, that first game this year against Miami, I think it was, that stands out to me where he was unblockable. And then he broke his foot and was out for the rest of the year. Uh, so obviously the foot is a concern. Didn't have any testing number, but I really like uh, uh, Chris and uh, Chris Allen there. Um, somebody we were talking about Dave. some injury troubles prior to that too yeah. so he's had some trouble yeah. staying healthy so if he can get through that <clears throat> you know if it's a growth thing or whatever it happens to be if he can get through that you, you got something there yep absolutely and uh, pooping hippo coming in saying benito had 26 tackles for a loss great agility but he gets no love okay i'm gonna put some sprinkle some nuance on this benito did have 26 tackles for a loss but the oklahoma defense the 335 that uh grinch uh played there is not super projectable um, and I would say exotic compared to what teams, any team is doing in the NFL. Um, what they're asking their front seven to do, it's a slant and penetrate defensive front. And that means that Nick Benito is shooting a singular gap along with six other guys, typically, you know, seven gaps uh, there that you want to attack and uh, getting in the backfield. So a lot of times the, you see him run completely out of a play. Uh, and it's, well, that was his job. Um, he's supposed to be penetrating that gap. So don't hold that against him, but that sometimes you see him, you know, make a play in the backfield and he's right there. It's like, Oh my God, what a great splash play. Well, he's shooting a gap. He's not reading that at all. He's exploding into one singular area and no teams are doing that as much. There's way more read, uh, defensive fronts right now than attack defensive fronts. You didn't see a lot. And again, one of my big complaints, uh, watching him is he doesn't use his arms at all. Um, there's no, uh, you know, forklifting the guys kind of watching where they're going, discarding them and making the play. Now, granted, that's a little bit more of a power player move. Um, Benito projects more, maybe a, even as a linebacker translating to pressing a single gap as a pass rusher. Um, but again, that's, that's a concern for him. So why is he making all these tackles for loss? A lot of that is obviously the tools that he has. He is explosive. Mm -hmm. Um, and he shot, shot out of a can a lot of them. You see it with the test and you see it on tape. Um, but a lot of the specifics of the situation he's in is because of the specific parameters, assignments, asks of the defensive front from Oklahoma in Grinch's former Oklahoma defense coordinator Grinch uh, scheme. So important so, to know that stuff. You know, <clears throat> we talk about this with running backs, about big guys who treat their, think they're scat backs yeah. until they actually have to learn how to run with power. Nick Benito's been like that. He hasn't had to, had to use his other tools, his other techniques yet, because he can out-athlete everybody at every level that he's ever played on. That's okay. Yeah. You know, that can develop. Those skills and, and those things can develop. That's mm -hmm. fine. If that's why you get them at 64, it's hard to get 6'3", 254, 5'4", you know, and all those other things in this range. 26 tackles for loss. 
So that's yeah. a good spot for him to go and then develop. There's not going to be much pressure on him. Like, oh, yeah. man, you know, there's pressure on Bradley Chubb. If he goes out and has a rookie season like Bradley Chubb, you're doing backflips. Oh, yeah. Even if it's just, hey, it's third and 12, Nick. It's your turn. You're up. Go get the quarterback. Let him shoot that cap. Let him go after somebody. Now he's going to have to beat somebody, but he can beat a lot of guys just with pure athleticism. So, again, he was taken 64th. He was yeah. – this isn't a top 10 pick. And he's got top 10 type of physical ability. Now let's see where it goes. Yeah. I don't know if he has top 10 physical ability because I, but I, it's in the, it's in the talking points, you know, I, yeah, yeah. we we had David Ajabo there. If David Ajabo was perfectly healthy, the, their numbers yeah. would have been similar. Yeah. The issue is uh, I wrap in the physical ability also with the size and uh, Nick Benito is very small um, and not very long. Also, um, one reason I really prefer Jake Jackson, who's still Here, a projection. Listen, let in, me uh, yeah. <clears throat> let me go through this. David Ajabo, 6'4", 250, 9 inch hands, 33 and a half inch arms. Nick Benito, 6'3", 248, um, 32 and a half inch arms. Okay, I actually read that wrong because the one behind it was 30. I thought they were ident- I thought the arm length was identical. So an inch longer on David Ajabo. The difference between David Ajabo, who we had mocked in the top 10 at some point, and Nick Benito physically isn't that much. You know who's got them all beat? It's Brandon Smith, linebacker from Penn State, tests yeah. higher than all of them. Yep. But, you know, soft is not a good way to go through football. That's where you fall even farther. Yeah. Yep. And no instincts. Um, that's a bad combo for football. Um, Ryan coming in saying, good morning, guys. Why do you think they didn't go offensive line in the draft? And was that a mistake? Do you think there are better tackles coming in 2023? I think the Broncos have specific parameters for the offensive tackle that, uh, and I also think that there's actually pretty good data that outside the first round taking a tackle is, you know, might as well light that pick on fire. Um, I think you have about as good of odds of an good off finding off good offensive tackle in the undrafted free agent pool as like drafting, you know, outside of the top 100, excuse me, uh, coffee coming back up there. Uh, so, uh, that's, um, I think that's a big thing there. If Matt, well, let's go maybe fell to their second, fifth round pick. We might be having a different conversation, but, uh, who knows? Um, and also the Broncos are okay this year at offensive tackle. There's no such thing as a perfect roster. You're always going to have areas of weaknesses, and the Broncos felt okay in 2022 with the trio that they have there. It's obviously going to be a big question this season. It's obviously going to be the biggest, one of the biggest questions next season. Um, but they're talking about 2023 draft, team building, etc. Uh, but again, didn't walk out with one. Uh, is what it is. They also didn't walk out with a pure nose tackle, in my opinion. You know, we're not freaking out about that. If they cut Mike Purcell, they're going to be okay. They have some options for 2022. Let me let me add on to Ryan's post. Maybe they think they already have better tackles on the roster. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. if there's if there's not a guy that you think can help you, then let me find a guy who can. You know, we talked about <clears throat> trying finding guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. You're looking for guys that can maybe play special teams. Offensive linemen, that's the thing. If you miss on an OL, it's over. There's nothing else you can do with those guys. Uh, you can, you know, for punt block or punt mm-hmm. return, kickoff field goal block, those special teams, anybody can play those. Yeah. I mean, that for, you know, to stand in the line and get in somebody's way. That's if you miss on an OL, it's a wasted spot. They're done. You know, you can't yeah. really do anything else with them. So um, maybe they feel they have somebody better on the roster and let's not waste a pick here. Yeah. Or Absolutely. we've got other options in free agency that we can still get or trade. And there's all, we're not done building this roster for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David commenced and just got out of the hospital. Well, first off, hope you're okay, David. Um, 
hopefully it's good news coming out of the hospital there. Uh, didn't see the draft. What grade should everyone give the Broncos? I've seen mostly everybody giving the Broncos about a C to a B minus range. I gave them a, uh, I think I gave them a B minus overall. I do like that uh, the Broncos were able to trade out of 96 and get a 2023 third um, from the Indianapolis Colts. I wish they would have traded back from 64. They tried to trade back from 64. Uh, even if we could have gotten, you know, a 2024 or 2023 fourth out of it to move back those spots, I, that would have been, I'd have been clicking my heels for that. Uh, but uh, they didn't. So I think they did okay. Um, fifth round was a little bit head scratching for me, given some of the names that are on the board that I perceived, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. I did not watch a much Turner yell for Oklahoma. Went back and watched good tackler. Um, thinks he's got actually decent ability to get his hands on the ball as well, which translates uh, injuries concern me there though with him. I don't know what to tell you about Montreal Washington. I, that felt like a pretty big uh, reach in my book, but specialists were going early. And if Dwayne Stukes was saying, that's my guy, I have to have him. And then George Payton is like, okay, that's your pick. Uh, if he doesn't work out, you know, that's uh, I'm listening to you, but uh, you're the expert on that. So, uh, responsibility falls on your shoulders. C. Patrick Havner coming in with the support here. Thank you so much, C. Patrick Havner, for supporting us. We appreciate you. Hope you had a good weekend. Go ahead, Scott. I'm counting up the teams, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, sorry, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So, Mel Kiber Jr. gave the Broncos a B-minus also. What does that mean? It means uh, that he's not giving out too many low grades. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> great, uh, on, great on the curve. The, there were 20 teams that had Bs or better. So the B minus ends up being, you know, more like a grading on a curve. It means I don't want to be too too mean about this, but he put put him in the lower third. But, you know, he also acknowledged that part, a good part of this draft went to getting Russell Wilson and the Broncos are damn happy with that deal. Yeah. Yep. The, that's absolutely part of it. Um, very happy to have the quarterback going to have issues, but uh, qu question number one, is your quarterback good enough to contend? That's an emphatic yes. So feel good about that. Travis coming in saying, if these picks don't ball out, what are they going to do? Or is there enough butt lickers going to keep them on the pedestal? Um, well, uh, you never know. I mean, players that, uh, fans talk themselves into, I'm just can, you know, have put up some really bad tape and fans will keep talking themselves into it. Uh, just kind of, uh, how it works sometimes, you know, it's fanatic for a reason. Uh, Michael Kerr coming in saying, good morning, all let's go Peyton. Not as many studs as last year. We don't know that yet. We'll, we'll find out. Um, we don't know that yet though, but uh, definitely not the amazing vibes that we were coming off last year. However, last year we had the big dark cloud that was, yeah, this class is really good, but the quarterback in 2023 is going to be trash because uh, the draft is going to be bad. Didn't see Russell Wilson coming. So it's okay. Um, he also says, uh, didn't find as many studs as last year, but I think there's more to our picks than meet the eye. We'll see. Um, a lot of times these guys that are especially later on, you know, round five, six, seven, the tape is fine. Um, but you'll really figure out if these were the men separate from the boys, I guess is how we'll put it in camp. I mean, it was pretty obvious quickly uh, that Caden Stearns was a good pick uh, watching preseason games. Like, oh, that boy moves. Um, you're watching Jonathan Cooper out there. Oh, he already looks better than Malik Reed. Um, so those kind of things uh, in camp, you know, people always say, oh, it takes a few years to see these guys. Sometimes, yes, but. A lot of times you can tell the haves from the have nots almost immediately when they walk in. Um, so keep that in mind as well. So, and make sure you're tuning in in the summer because we're going to be listening for that kind of stuff and watching for that stuff too. Uh, Broncos sunrise coming in $20. I love that orange Broncos sunrise. Love that orange. Thank you very much. Yes. Let me repeat all that. 
Uh, good morning. What do you think of the center we drafted? Could he start? Um, you know a little bit more about him as far as the play. His measurables are solid. 6'4", 300 pounds. Uh, good length, 34 and an eighth inch arms. 5'2", in the 40. Um, solid yeah. as far as the agility goes with a 26-inch vert and a 4'7", 7'20", yard shuttle. As far as on the field, close to you, you probably got, a, a, got to watch him a little bit. Yeah, um, I think he's a pretty good uh, scheme fit as far as his movement skills. Um, gets out of his stance pretty well. And also, circling back, guys, a little... Because George Payton is still relatively new. And I know it's all these people saying, trust Payton. I'm not even ready to you know crown the 2021 draft class totally yet because we want to see what they look like three, four years from now. Uh, you remember how quickly we were to crown that 2019 class one year out of it and how it looks now. So, you know, we're, we're halfway through. Or, you know, like the one quarter through uh what do we want to see out of those guys but um center luke wattenberg he's pretty decently athletic again bringing it back here the nugget that i got from the draft here is that not only do the broncos value arm length um at the tackle position there's also a threshold on the interior position and wattenberg has 34 inch arms i'm gonna say i I bet he passed (laughs) yes yep uh 34 inch arm length uh very good there some experience at center and guard and um does need to get stronger, needs to get much stronger. It's kind of, I would say, honestly, there's a lot of similarities to uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, but I think Wattenberg is not nearly as refined as a pass protector uh, coming out, which, I mean, talking Lloyd Cushenberry was a third-round pick, no duh. Um, but I think Wattenberg has a little bit more natural movement skills uh, than Cushenberry does. So Wattenberg, this is a guy you're probably not going to see this year, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, but gets in the weight room, can add some mass to it, and maybe maybe becomes a starting center a couple years from now. Or even if he just becomes a valuable, can play all three interior spots backup uh, for the Broncos, that's that's a valuable pick to get, you know, late fifth round. So um, I think that was a good pick. That was probably my that was my favorite pick round five by the Broncos. I am interested in uh, Darian Turner, y'all, but we'll see how that one plays out too. Uh, Kathy coming in saying hello, Nick Scott and Broncos country. You think we're going to with five picks in next year's draft? Or are we trading Kush finally? Uh, we'll see who gets traded. I think that if the Broncos would have taken. Cam Jurgens at 64, which apparently was an option if he would have fallen down there. Uh, if they would have taken Dylan Parham at 96, uh, Colt, I know there was actually some interest there for uh, Cole Strange as well for the Broncos, uh, but not <laughs> he went first round, so uh, that's that's done. I'm not going to laugh like Sean McVay did, uh, but um, I don't think Kush is going to get traded. Could see some of the fringe guys and former draft picks that maybe are now without a roster spot, um, McTelvin and Jeem, somebody like that, uh, that uh, could be moved for you know, a fifth round pick in 2023, you know, the Broncos last year, they brought in uh, Steven Weatherly for cheap. They brought in uh, Kenny young for cheap. I'm thinking it's going to be kind of the other way around this season for the Broncos, where they're kind of trading some of that back end guys trying to start to get 2023 draft capital. That's my biggest regret though. And I, I don't know if you watched a uh, George Payton's post draft press conference, you know, he's very methodical with his answers. I think him and Nathaniel Hackett did pretty darn well. Uh, but you can hear when he answered the question about, you know, trade backs and whatnot. He's like, I really did want to come away with more 2023 draft capital than I did. I really tried. Not much 2023 draft capital traded at all, uh, actually, in this draft this year. So I thought the fact that we were able to walk away with a third, pretty good at all. Um, but No, I, I think that, again, you can you can have three people look at the same fact and come up with three different reasons. Um, but I think one of the reasons you're not trading out of this draft in the middle rounds for 2023 is because the middle rounds of this draft were really good. We were talking about that for, you know, all year. If you wanted to trade out of the 2022 draft, you wanted to trade out of the first. Yeah. That's where you wanted to move back. 
Um, you wanted to be in the third through fifth rounds in this draft. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Ronquillo coming in saying good morning, Nick and Scott and Broncos for breakfast. Great 2022 NFL draft weekend. Let's go Broncos. Absolutely. Uh, we also have uh, Eric coming in here. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, Eric comes in. He says, and with the, the bright yellow super, appreciate you, Eric. He says, context is important. Do you think that we're being more critical of this year's draft class simply because we have far less holes to fill compared to last? We have far more depth now. I also think it's because you didn't draft till 64. You know, yeah. you're, you can say that again and again and again, but your expectations are still, I'm going to get better in the draft. You know, I mean, I already got my wife a Mother's Day present like a month ago. I said, this is an early Mother's Day present. But by God, if I don't have something for her on Mother's Day, I'm going to feel like a turd. So, again, there's just those life built in expectations of what you're hoping for. And it feels a little bit of a letdown. But I do think part of it is this crew, not me as much because I didn't watch Benito as much. So I've kept quiet on Benito. Like players better that were in that spot. And we've been talking about it. Y'all have been listening to us. We're allowed to talk about it for months. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it biases how you see things. But we want to say, and, and there's enough information out there as well, that it's not just us telling you. But yeah, I liked Abraham Lucas in that spot at 64. I liked Travis Jones in that spot at 64. There were other players that I would have liked. That doesn't mean Nick Benito can't play. Um, so we will see on those. Um, less holes to fill. We may feel again at right tackle position. We may feel it's a bigger hole than, than they do. And they have, again, you trust the coaches to make the decisions best for their team. Even if they make the wrong decision, Yeah, we'll find out if they made the right decision or not. Should they have gotten Abraham Lucas? I would have gone that way. I would have, we'll see if Abraham Lucas ends up being a guy and then you're still got a hole at right tackle. Then we'll know we don't right now. We don't know. Yeah, absolutely. We don't know right now. And uh, catching up on the chat here, I think we're going to zoom on ahead here. Um, but because uh, we want to start talking about this guy more in depth for you guys. So if you had any supers or anything, um, make sure you say hello. I saw Kathy's in the house, too. So good to see you, Kathy. Um, but yeah, this Broncos draft class overall. Uh, Scott, what is your first takeaway looking at it overall? And I'm just going to read through it here while you pick uh, pick your brain, start to get your uh, thoughts together on this. Nick Benito, 64, edge rusher. Greg Dulcich, tight end at 80. Damari Mathis, cornerback at 115. Uh, uh interior defensive line, 116. Uh, DeLaren Turner, Yell safety at 152. Montreal Washington, returner, once, uh, 162. Dern- Turner, Yell was 152, excuse me. Uh, Luke Wattenberg, interior offensive line, 171. Matt Henningsen, interior defensive line, 206. And Fayon Hicks, cornerback, 232. So first impression, uh, just going over the names, thinking about it, Scott, what do you think about this Broncos draft class off the cuff? Any vibes, any feelings that stand out to you? Um, my first, you know, impression was kind of meh. Okay. But I I think for the most part, that's how it was going to feel no matter what. Again, you're drafting basically at the top of the third round, add Russell Wilson to that draft class. And now I'm like, hell yeah, let's go cook. Um, but I love the Awuzarike. Uh, uh, now I've listened to Chad butcher it so many times it's screwing me up. I actually can say his name, Awuzarike pick. Um, it felt like to me they went off the beaten path a little bit a few times because there were 106 players taken from the Senior Bowl. I watched all those guys, and how many of those guys? Uh, Dulcich, and that's it. That was yeah. the, I think the only guy that played in the Senior Bowl. So they kind of went outside of my best comfort zone. 
That's why it was great that we have such depth and talent on the MHH crew that I was able to lean on y'all for, um, you know, talking about, uh, about the rest of this class. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully you guys can see that on your screen there, pulling up the Broncos draft class. Um, for me, my first and immediate and most emphatic takeaway for this Broncos draft class is this is a team that is gearing up to go for it this year. Um, out of this, looking at this roster right now, how many guys on this team do I think have the ability to maybe be a good chance to become a long-term starter um, on the Broncos roster? Nick Benito, I have serious questions about becoming a long-term starter, given his run-stopping ability on first and second down in the plays where I saw where he had actual actual traditional run-stopping from the edge, edge rusher spot uh, assignments. I mean, that TCU game was... I don't know if Eric talked about this last night, but I watched the TCU game yesterday, and boy, howdy, woof. Um, <laughs> they're running right at Nick Benito the entire time. Say woof. Yeah, it's, I haven't uh, been able to like, like instinctively work that into my own conversations yet. Cause it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think I got that from uh, uh home alone. Buzz's girlfriend. Woof. Uh, but, uh, Nick, Nick Benito, <laughs> um, really good. Uh, pass rusher, explosive holding up at the point of attack. Um, anchoring is not there right now. I, and he does have his frame is small, but he also looks small on tape, especially his lower half. So I think there is, I guess not meat on the bone, but meat on the bone as far as getting more strength on his body. So there's some hope there. Um, but uh, is he going to be a starter? Strength is easy. You know, improving on that four, five, four and the natural, you know, speed is hard. Yeah. That's harder. It, totally. You either have that or you don't. Yeah. I mean, you the can, fact you that can he, improve it. Trust me. I, I know yeah. trainers that make very good livings, making guys bigger, faster, stronger. And, but the bigger, the, the bigger, stronger is easier than the faster. Do you have any questions about him playing at Oklahoma? and uh, still not having the weight on him considering what Oklahoma does historically strength and conditioning program. Is that something we should read into here or? No, I, I don't. Um, again, some guys just mature a little bit later. They have different body types and, and yeah. we'll see how it goes. You, you can tell. I, I know. I think Eric said that y'all were talking about athlete butts too much. You can tell the difference between a college linebacker and an NFL linebacker because the NFL linebackers asses are this wide. Yep. I mean, they're, they just, they just, they're doing squats and they, they mature into their mid twenties and their thirties and they just get bigger, stronger, and heavier. Um, yep. you know, that's so what the, the middle linebackers will come out at 220 and they'll end up playing at 245, 250, uh, yep. at least, you know, historically now they start at 250. Um, so we'll see again, for me, it's almost more like a guy like Derek Henry, who we've talked about or Royce Freeman. Can they run with power? They've never had to. Nick's been able to run by everybody he's ever played against. Yeah. You know? So that's not going to be the same. And if he wants to get on the field, he's going to have to He's gonna have to make some changes to his game, to his body. Yeah. He's got every reason in the world to do that now. 100%. Uh, so Benito, I mean, the thing also about Benito is that in today's NFL, uh, you're seeing the rotational edge rushers, you know, even the best sack artists in college football or in football this last season playing 60, 70% of the snaps. And that's both starters on one team. That's leaving a good bit of snaps available. So even if Benito just becomes a super sub uh, package player, there's going to be some value to that at pick 64. You know, again, more like a third round pick than a, even a second round pick, uh, or I guess he is technically a second round pick, but you know, that very late um, mm -hmm. second round pick. So got to frame it in that way as well. 
Uh, it's gonna, he's going to have warts, and he does have warts. So that's you know, my, my. And then my biggest, what would you have done in that spot? You know, for me, it's pretty obvious. I probably would have gone Abraham Lucas at right tackle, um, or Travis Jones. I probably would have gone Travis Jones in this spot, assuming yeah. the medicals. And that's a big assumption. But let's say he was he was off the board. I, I would have rather gone either Abraham Lucas or Bernard Raymond in this spot. Yep, absolutely. And uh, Peace Wag, talking about linebacker butts is the type of content we all needed. Yeah, we like big butts here uh, on uh, Mile High. No, no lie. Kathy come in and also question, how good was Von Miller at stopping run coming to college? I think it wasn't the favorite thing to do. He got better over his career. wasn't his favorite thing to do, but Von Miller had innate speed to power uh, among making contact with SEC offensive tackles that uh, you don't see on Benito's tape. Benito, you can see the speed when he reaches guys, but then when he actually makes contact with the offensive tackles, goes a whole lot of nowhere quickly. Um, really, he's very slippery and uh, very good at kind of ducking his shoulders with uh, Ben to get around guys. Um, but when it comes to playing through contact, when it comes to using his arms, when it comes to speed to power, you know, forklifting guys, it's just not on tape at all uh, right now. And again, pick 64, not a first round pick. Uh, there's reason he fell, um, but I would not compare him to Von Miller in the slightest. I know some of the testing is there, but the tape is not the same. Um, absolutely. And Von Miller went two overall. No duh, Nick. That's probably not a fair comparison, but people keep saying Von Miller light. You know who I see? Um, so let's keep it on Nick Benito here. Do you have any comparisons? Have you How much tape have you watched of him, Scott? And uh, do you have any comparisons that stick no, out I'm to me? No, I'm bad with comps because I got out of the draft game for a while. So like okay. any of the like five-year guys – guys in the last five years i don't know them in the nfl as much so I'm, I'm not good i don't like doing comps i like telling you what i've seen mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not a comps guy right now i see a lot of so i heard some good ones for him uh the ones that i hate are always like diet something like diet von miller or a light version of micah parsons it's like well those guys are freaking unicorns so what is a light version of that you know <laughs> what does that even mean um but uh, some of the ones that i've heard that uh, stick out to me one that will scare some of you guys in here is a uh, shane ray I think uh, Nick Benito is stronger than Shane Ray, but as far as like, you know, really reliant on that wide nine shooting in the backfield and not using his hands for much power. Hello, my name is Shane Ray, and that's all I know how to do. All right, um, now I got a comp for you. You know, you just uh, just described was Vic Beasley. Vic, Vic Beasley is another one that we saw. Um, that's a really good one as well. I think Vic and, had and a little if, bit. If you get a 2016 season out of Vic Be- out of uh, out of him that, that you had out of Vic Beasley, where he had about 17 sacks, that was a good pick. Even if he doesn't do anything else at 64, you get one monster season like that. That was a good pick. And uh, Beasley and, you know, five, seven years ago, NFL starter, because you saw much more attacking fronts, you know, man per gap in today's NFL. You're not seeing that as much. The teams are doing that because uh, the Vic Fangio ran an undersized speed guy. Yeah. And think about it. Like, Nick, would you trade a second? You know, this you're going to you're, you're you said, you know, this. This means we're shooting for this year. This is an all-in type of this year draft. This is what I think. Would you have given up your 64 for 17 sacks in 2022? Yes, you would. Um, But I'm not saying you're going to get it. But if you can get one season Vic Beasley-like out of this guy, it's a good pick. Um, A couple more that stick out to me as far as this uh, type of body and skill set. Yannick Ngakwe, always been a terrible run defender there at the edge. It's the reason that he's been on what four teams now in uh, four seasons. Has he even been on four? Te- he went to the Jags, went to the Ravens, went to the Vikings, went to the Raiders. Now in the Colts, he's been on five teams. Oh my God. Um, been a really good pass rusher, but uh, kind of a specialist and not as valuable because of that. So that's one that sticks out to me as well. And another name that really sticks out to me here is uh, 
um, gosh, uh, Bruce Irvin, uh, who played kind of a four, three Sam role uh, for the Seahawks and then kind of moved down to the line of scrimmage as a, a speed merchant rusher from that wide nine spot. I see I a saw, lot of, Bruce I saw Irvin. him in junior college. Um, and he was from like my backyard. Like I broke all the news out of Stevenson high school. And someone said, I saw him out in California, Mount Sac, San Antonio, I think is what it was. Just called it Mount Sac. I said, where did this guy come from? Like, oh, he went to Stevenson High School in Stone Mountain, Georgia. I'm like, what? Yeah. So I'm like, how did I miss this guy? I found out, oh, he was in prison. <laughs> he was in prison in just last year. That's how he ended up in junior college. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's how I missed him. But got it together, turned around. He's been great. Bruce Irvin could fly. I don't know what his testing numbers were, but he was one of those guys that could jump over you. I mean, he could forget his testing numbers, you know, watch the tape. He could fly off the edge. Love that guy. And that's what I see with uh, Nick Benito. Now, again, Mm -hmm. it's very based on the ability to shoot from that wide nine and uh, play, you know, peekaboo with his pads against offensive tackles because he can duck underneath some offensive tackles. But um, and I think he actually does a pretty good job of slipping off blocks if he's already got a good angle on that blocker as well. But if a blocker is squared with him, he, he's not going anywhere. Um, Ryan coming in saying, isn't Randy Gregory sort of a pass rush specialist on the roster for sacks? Not much else. Randy Gregory um, does have issues with us uh, edge defense, but because of his insane length, he can cover across multiple gaps and plays with his hands, plays with his length. Um, right now, Benito is trying to dip his shoulder on guys, not using his arms. Um, so that's something to look for with, uh, I think a big difference between Gregory and, uh, the likes of Benito. Um, and I guess the big thing for me with Benito here in general is we talked circling back. Is he going to be a starter? I don't know. He's going to have to really work on his run defense. And I think there are three outcomes here. I think the ability to rush from nine and also, uh, half of his sacks came up in a kind of a, I'm on the line of scrimmage. Nope. I'm now going to go into a QB spy quarterback breaks the pocket and I'm going to hunt, um, which again, there's some value to that, but that's not super projectable for roles and sacks at the NFL level. Um, you might see more of that this year with Ivero. We'll see. Um, we're totally projecting well, his and, type and of And Nick, if, if Randy Gregory was more versatile thus far in his career, he, you would have had to pay him double what you did. Yeah. You know, yep. so that's, he is, a, that's what he is there for his, his best feature, but out of an edge guy, that's what you want his best feature to be is getting after the quarterback. Absolutely. Um, so Nick, you know, things to watch for here. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll ever be a f- great full-time starter. And for an edge at 64, that's probably the reality of most of those guys picked in that range that that position. Um, but his path to the field, he's always going to be able to rush from a speed rusher kind of spot on third down and sub packages. But is he going to get big enough and strong enough at the point of attack at edge to play like a true run setting edge look? Not what they were asking him to do at Oklahoma, guys. It's not translatable from the run defense look. Um, unless the Broncos do something wild here, which we don't see from other teams. Um, but uh, if he, can he hold up on first and second down of the edge? Question. Question number two. Is he going to transition again to that uh, Bruce Irvin, somewhat Micah Parsons role run first and second down a lot of times? He's actually playing off ball linebacker, uh, a Sam in the three, four look more likely to drop back into coverage versus uh, come at the quarterback. Who knows? Well, we'll see on that one. And then option number three behind door number three, only ever a sub package player. That's okay. You're going to rotate guys, um, get after the quarterback, not amazing return on investment at pick 64. You probably want a long-term quality starter there, but uh, we'll see. Um, but either way, he has the most, his most valuable skill set getting after the quarterback. So that's there. Uh, Dennis Chandler saying, which current players on the roster are now in the bubble to make the team? Uh, Byron rules. Uh, some players on the roster that are now in trouble. Uh, Andrew Beck, uh, 
tight end slash fullback, I think very much on the roster bubble now. Um, Malik Reed, uh, very much on the bubble now for me as well. Um, and then you have like guys like uh, saying Bassey on the bubble, Jamar Johnson on the bubble. So, and uh, maybe even a McTelvin regime. Uh, any other names to out now that I took literally every player on the roster, roster Scott? No, that's that's where I was going to go too. I mean, we the one that you didn't mention we talked about early, and thank you for stars, Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, was possibly not a roster spot, but well, maybe, maybe it was it's Cushenberry. Yep. You know, he's he's on notice for sure. Um, how about Jerry Judy? <laughs> you know, talk, guys that could be moved. You know, those are guys we've talked about a lot. But no, I, I think uh, I think Nick hit on those for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And let's keep it going here because we spent so much time on Benito. I'm still trying to process this too. Yeah, guys, I was like, cause... okay, and we'll handle day two and three tomorrow on Broncos for breakfast. <laughs> no, we were ha- we'll handle day uh, day two today still because we got some. I want to talk about Greg Dulcich here. Um, Greg Dulcich is, uh, oh man, Peter asking, did he miss his being red? I didn't see your super, um, your stars the, there, Peter. This is the first one I saw. Uh, we, I mean, we've got a couple. The one that when you first came in, um, at thank the you, very Phil. Beginning. Great show, guys. Keep up the good work. We really appreciate it. Oh, you, Phil. interesting. You have undrafted free agents. I did miss that one, I think, maybe, possibly. Pull I don't know. I'm getting old. So, uh, go ahead. I'll find it, Nick. Um, so Greg Dulcich, uh, Apparently, this was a pick that was very much uh, George Payton bringing Russell Wilson into the fold, which I love. Um, do I love that you're giving your quarterback? I'm not totally giving it to him, but giving your quarterback a day two pick versus, you know, a day three pick. Maybe not. Um, I'm a little bit. And this is something that I don't know who said this, this is a quote like the uh, the best government in the world is a dictatorship. If the dictator is the perfect person, you know, like the absolute, like, you know, makes every right decision ever. Cause then there's no, you know, bureaucratic holdup or anything. It'll never happen because humans are flawed. But um, I'm almost wondering if uh, the Broncos draft class this year, maybe was a case of too many cooks in the kitchen um, where everybody's voice is in there. And sometimes that's not always the best um, for these kind of things, but we'll see. But uh sounds like this pick for, uh, Greg Dulcich was very much influenced by what Russell Wilson wanted. Greg Dulcich tested good as an athlete, not elite, not totally explosive, not, you know, this Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts level freak, but again, talking pick 80, a uh, smooth route runner played decently in line, has some work to do to be a blocker there. I thought he blocked pretty well on the move. Um, but the thing that sticks out with Dulcich for me, we kept harping about the tight end, maybe being overvalued with Russell Wilson. Cause he doesn't use the short middle of the field. How about a tight end that had three 50 plus yard touchdowns last season that averaged about 20 yards a catch in his career. Okay. Maybe we would use that type of tight end with Russell Wilson. So um, going back and watching Dulcich's tape, I love his versatility. I think he can play H back. He can play that big slot and he can play in line. So um, I like this pick. Uh, the more I reflected on it, N- maybe we would have liked him, you know, at 96 versus 80, but he probably wasn't going to be there. So that's always like the thing. Oh, I would have loved ben- Benito at 75. It have felt much better. Is he yeah, there? He's, at a, he's a good jumbo athlete for sure. Yeah. We're, we're ended up getting him at, uh, would you pick him up 80. at 80 at 80? Now, what I always say is like, okay, at 80, you know, what were the other options in that spot? And I go down and I look at a couple spots, you know, could you have gone edge with D'Angelo Malone? Uh, Nicobe Dean was right there. I know there were some big red flags. He could have been off the board completely. He could have gone really crazy and gone someone like uh, Malik Willis, uh, Dylan Parham. Uh, but other than that, I mean, until you start getting lower, I do like Zachary Carter, the big defensive lineman from Florida. But they're in the next 10 picks or so. There's nobody that really jumps off the board for me. Um, DeMarvin Leal, maybe. But there's nobody like, oh, man, I really would have rather had this guy in that spot. Um, 
Yeah. Now, if I again, if I look between your two picks, it gets a little easier. I like JT Woods. I like Travis Jones. I like Jelani Woods. I like Abraham Lucas. I like Chad Muma. Um, you know, could you have moved around there? But you know, maybe you got the guys you wanted. Yeah, and uh, 75, after 75, you had Travis Jones and Bernard Ryman come off the board, which was a little bit of a bummer, but uh, who knows about Travis Jones's injury for the Broncos, how they flagged that, and also Bernard Ryman's uh, length and whatnot. So undrafted free agents coming in from Peter. Uh, some of the guys who have been signed so far, Jalen Virgil, uh, Kadofi Wright, have not watched him yet. Have watched Chris Fallon. I really like that one. Uh, Caden Davis from Northwestern Missouri. Guess what? I've not watched um, any Caden Davis guys. Uh, Jaquan McMillan had a lot of... Uh, a lot of good play at uh, Eastern Carolina. The Broncos brought him in for a pre-draft visit, so he sticks out to me. Um, and uh, other than that, though, a bunch of guys that uh, I'm probably going to have to wait until camp to dig through. But the ones that stick out to me, uh, Kadofi Wright from Buffalo, did watch him, thought he was pretty good. Jalen Virgil, hyped as a track star, didn't run as fast as the track hype would have you believe, but uh, has a chance to come in as a special teams kind of ace guy. And uh, the other one that I talked about, Jaquan McMillan, cornerback, had a lot of... Uh, plays on the ball at uh, Eastern Carolina. So some names to watch out for there. And I know these are draft picks. You want to give them a little bit of time, but also the men from the boys separating themselves day one. Um, you come out of camp and it's like, Oh, yep. That guy's uh, standing out. Like didn't take long for, let's say uh, Chris Harris, Jr. Smallest signing bonus of any Broncos in that class that season, about a weekend of camp uh, Broncos like, Oh, we found a good one here in uh, Chris Harris, Jr. That's going to be a difference maker for this team for a long time. So, um, Scott, any thoughts on uh, Greg Dulcich? Not a, one of the tight ends that we typically um, drafted the Broncos, but it's because in that mock draft simulator, we got used to tight ends being there at pick 115, 116. I will say to Peyton's credit and the Broncos in general, none of the tight ends that we liked fell to 115 or 116. Every single one was snapped up. Jelani Woods went 72. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert went after the Broncos picked at 80. You had... Uh, Kate Otten was the first pick round four. I think Daniel Bellinger went really early round four as well. So all those tight ends that we liked uh, came off the board, but uh, Greg Dulcich, um, what a <laughs> love his hair, love the mustache, really and fluid again, athlete. I, I like him getting length. out here to the second level. You know, again, he's a jumbo athlete. He's not a big tight end, yeah, but he's quick off the line. So again, if I need to go out and somebody's going to be in dime and I want a guy to go out there and manhandle a, <clears throat> a defensive back, a linebacker, he gets out there quick. That's Texas A&M safety. He's out there throwing around. Um, so I, I actually, again, I like his blocking, but I don't necessarily want him doing it against, you know, 300 pound defensive ends in, in a three, four, uh, let him get out there and he's mm. quick up the ball, solid hands. I think he can be a weapon for sure. Yeah. And I really love his fluidness in space. Zero star athlete. Apparently everybody loves the work ethic and the personality. Chip Kelly was you know screaming about this guy. Uh, being a difference maker and a leader. So excited to see what he can do. And also, I think this is this is not only Albert Okwebenam insurance. I think this might move Albert Okwebenam to a more big slot wide receiver role. Um, you talk about niche skill sets. Uh, Albert Okwebenam playing that big slot role to becoming more and more important in today's NFL. And we saw it actually utilized a lot uh, with the Packers. They used Alan Lazard, who was you know a six foot four, 225 pound, 230 pound, wide receiver tight end hybrid uh, there is a detached uh, big slot a lot for that Packers defense. Martez Valdez Scantling, Martez Valdez Scantling also used similarly more vertical though, but I think this moves Albert Okoyben on maybe more to a full-time uh, H back slash detached from the line of scrimmage, big slot option where Dulcich and Tomlinson then become more of your classic uh, inline tight ends with some versatility as well. Yeah. So. And, and Tommy keeps asking, you know, where is Jerry um, in a slot? 
you know, and, unless you're living in a double tight end package, you you have three wide receivers. Done. Yep. Also, you're going to see Jerry, I think, with some Z as well. Um, not as the, uh, the true X, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want him taking on press coverage there's, uh, too there's, often. There's more than enough room out there. I don't, I don't see him getting beat out for playing time right away by a rookie tight end that was taken in the fourth. Yep. Absolutely. I, uh, I agree with you hundred percent on that one. And then, uh, kind of closing out here on day two of the Broncos draft, we'll do more day three conversation tomorrow and, um, keep asking questions on you guys. If you have any about this draft class, but, uh, the last thing to talk about here, day three for the Broncos trading out of uh pick 96 and, uh, getting a, the Colts 2023 third rounder, which I adore and getting a Colts fifth round pick this season. That was my favorite move. <laughs> my favorite move of the draft, uh, for the Broncos going to be completely honest on that one. Um, there were some guys there that would have been interesting, uh, but getting a, getting one, one more pick, another top 100 pick in 2023, I think has a, a lot of value, uh, for the Broncos going forward. So happy to see that one and also get a fifth round pick. Uh, we'll talk more day three tomorrow, but a lot of Nick Benito and Greg Dulcich, I don't think. And one of the reasons the Broncos, I think fans in general just don't have a amazing feeling on this class is that the Broncos didn't really get any bargains, uh, perceived bargains in the draft, you know, Nick Benito constantly being mocked pick 60 to 80 in the draft. You got him at 64. Okay. That's probably right about value. Greg Dulcich constantly being mocked from, you know, 70 to 85. You got him at 80. That's right at value. So none of that was surplus. It was just kind of, okay, that's about where he goes. He's got some flaws. We understand the value, but you're kind of just getting middle of the pack grades. And yeah, but then, then the, the naysayer in you says, if he falls, I parry on Winfrey at 108. Well, why did he fall to 108? Why do we take him then? Did you hear anything about Perrin Winfrey? Have you heard any of the stuff that came out? No, I haven't heard what's come out. Okay. He's had some uh, physical altercations with coaches. Okay. Well, those coaches gave up on the team and left. So yep. I'm willing to yeah. listen to Perry on side of the story. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Yeah. You don't want your players swinging on coaches though, but um, yeah, it's, uh, that's something to first? think about. No, I, I get it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm just, again, I, uh, I don't judge without all the information. So That's I'll fair. report facts on this and I will look at both sides and I want to hear, I'm, but I, I'd be willing to, I would absolutely listen to, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to listen to what I'm not going to read a headline and come to an immediate judgment for sure. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, let's uh, round out the class here. Um, we're just mainly talking uh day two for the Broncos. We have all week uh, to keep talking guys about this draft. Um, so have a lot of fun with it. Um, Jay Roper coming in saying, Scott and Nick, do you think we reacted to the draft too harshly from an outside perspective? An overreaction to an immediate incident? Never. Never. Yes, of course. There was yeah. always overreactions. Positive, negative. It's always an overreaction. I, I like to say the first week of uh, a football season is the overreaction season. Yeah, yeah. there's overreactions. Positive, negative. So I, I, I can tell you everybody overreacted. Did I overreact to... The Falcons taking Drake London at eight, probably, maybe, no, Um, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) no, but yeah, of course, the the reaction was too harsh uh, right off the bat. Yeah, Um, I think the thing that is harsh in my vibe is the fact that at 64, again, I think that some of the people more directly connected to the Broncos would say, oh, that's not true. We always had Nick Benito number one on our board. We had a first round grade on him. Sure you did. Um, but uh, hearing it from multiple people, you know, the Broncos were very interested in hoping to land uh, one of Drake Jackson or Cam Taylor Britt, even to the point of trying to trade up for them and then uh, trying to trade out of 64 with no takers. That's a double whammy for me. No, it, it, what's nice is that it's that, you know, when state media 
from you know whatever dot the the official site.com from dallascowboys.com talks positively about why they took the player i'm like yes of course we know we know now what do you really think you know don't i know this is basically a pr a pr release you know but what do you really think and that's what you know we'll tell you doesn't make us right but we'll tell you what we think we'll be honest about it yep so uh yeah we'll keep digging in on it um and at some point we'll come back. I think Scott and I will probably do, I'll send Scott some clips and we'll watch some. Um, and we'll kind of be like our, our overall, uh, hindsight scouting report on prospect X. Um, I know Scott's busy as heck, so I want to coordinate with him with that. Um, but a few guys, like I said, I watched, uh, four or five games yesterday of Nick Benito, just trying to get an overall feeling. I really like to watch the games, um, in succession because then I get an overall feel. If you kind of watch, watch it, then go away, then watch it the next day, then go away. Uh, you don't get it all at once. I like to be immersed uh, in the tape. <laughs> Lawrence Rivera coming in here saying, um, hey, guys, I've been watching quietly every show until I get for more information about our new team and watching the video the last few days, getting my homework in line. No homework, Lawrence. This is just for fun. Um, consider it uh, extracurricular, if anything. Um, but uh, we appreciate it. And uh, overall, I mean, again, big takeaway from this draft for me is every single one of these guys in this graph, graph class for the Broncos in the first I guess their first four picks, which again, you're talking about, you know, late day two to early day three have immediate pathways to the field. Uh, Go ahead, Scott. Looks like you were chomping to say something. All right. Reese comes in. I was surprised to see the post draft ratings and glad to see it was higher than expected. Now, again, everything needs a little bit of perspective. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talked about I uh, went through Mel Kuyper's grades. He has 20 teams ahead of a B minus. B minus? Well, that's not so bad. B minus. That's not so bad. You know how many teams he had graded below B minus? Five. So the Broncos. Two. The For those of you at home, two. And you can guess yeah. one because everybody had us smacking our heads. Uh, the New England Patriots. And and again, that's one of those trust the coaches thing. What do you know? You're not Bill Belichick. Yeah, I know that he doesn't get everything right. That's what I do know. Uh, that drives I know that me nuts. I think that Bailey Zappi in the fourth is a wasted pick. That's what I think. We'll find out if I was right or wrong. I think Cole Strange was a reach at the back end of the first round. That's what I think. Uh, we will see. So uh, what else was a little strange on that one? Those were the two big ones. Those were the two big ones for me. I know you weren't a big fan of, of uh, Marcus Jones in the third at 85. You know, the uh, thing the I liked the about... The Patriots got a C plus and the Dallas Cowboys got a C plus. Everybody else was B minus or higher. The big thing with me with Marcus Jones was that apparently his shoulders were a big concern. That's, That's what, what I, was. I, was what like, I had I been think, fed. You know, he was the, the T-Rex arms. He did have short arms too, but he okay, was also... It was a, a double whammy for... Well, that's yeah. maybe because his shoulders are imploding. He just yeah. lost two inches off his shoulders. It was both. Um, he did have zeroth percentile arms, but this again comes back to me. Um, and another thing that... Uh, the pick that made me scratch in my head the most, um, we need to get out of here pretty soon, but uh, the Montreal Washington one, I mean, when your draft pick says that he was shocked to be picked that makes me feel not great about the pick. Um, So (laughs) can you take one guy in the seventh round? That's a different conversation, but there were still a lot of good players to be had on the board there, the middle of the fifth round. And to take Montreal Washington was shocking. And I know that uh, he had a very good game against Florida, um, but sample size, sample size, sample size, you know, for being a dynamic athlete and kick returner at Sanford, he should have been, you know, putting up stats like Marcus Jones did um, against that level of competition as far as a returner. And he didn't, he didn't have Marcus Jones level return stats and data playing at Samford. Hello. I keep saying that a really good game against Florida. Did we, anybody watch Florida last year? 
I mean, let's be real. Like their defense, you could hear like a yakety yak playing in the background when their special teams is out there running around. It was not My good. So father-in-law is a big bull gator. I think he, I know he went to at least, you know, Florida law school or whatever, mm-hmm. but he's a big bull gator. He is a nice, kind, level-headed man, unless he's watching Florida gator sports. And then he turns into the antichrist. So everyone, I quit texting him and stuff. I'm like, you know, he's down in, in Orlando. And like, I'd see Florida do something. I'd like text him. I'm like, keep it down. You're waking the kids, uh, you know, five hours away. So uh, I know they've been, they've been struggling a little bit. The, and it was on defense too, especially if yeah. I'm not mistaken that he, uh, he had the problem. And their quarterback play was so bad too. Good Lord. What's happened yeah. to the Gators? Well, I really like Billy Napier. Um, so you can tell your father-in-law that uh, they got they got a dude. Um, he is rebuilding that program there. Modern day, uh, big time college football. Um, I think Napier is going to do. A what is job. modern day big time college football these days? Though that's is it, we can do this later. So we get into the dog days of June and July. We'll yeah. talk about what's becoming of college sports. Yeah. Um, well, they're mimicking Alabama, uh, Clemson, <laughs> Georgia as far as you know, the overall recruiting uh, and development there. So it'll be interesting. Shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, 14 of their 28 players in their recruiting class were drafted, I think, um, which is absolutely insane. Absolutely bonkers. Um, uh, but the main point I was getting to here, and we got to definitely get on out, but uh, specialists themselves went way earlier than we thought this year. And maybe Montreal Washington was the last one available uh, that they wanted there. Like, let's say that Marcus Jones falls to pick 96. Maybe the Broncos take him there instead of trading out. Um, but he didn't. Uh, the the Bears taking, you know, 82-year-old, I'm just kidding, he's going to be 25 or 26, uh, Vilas Jones there at in round three. Shocking to me to see him go that high. When we'd see him consistently mocked, you know, round four, round five. Um, yeah, the kickers you know what? I mean, anytime you throw in a 4-3, you start yeah. wondering. I mean, that yeah. that's okay. This is what we think, but don't be surprised. One yeah. of those. You throw a four three up there at six feet tall, and you have a great senior bowl. So I wasn't surprised to see him. But <laughs> I, you know, he's a little older, so be it. But if I can get him, you know, might a, 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 a third round pick, and I get a, a plus year a guy for five six years, yeah. I'll take it. Absolutely. So again, he earned it. He earned it in the last two months, as, as far as I'm concerned. Yep, absolutely. So uh, talking we... specialist, Nick, it it it's amazing to me just how bad Denver's return games were. I mean, you start mm-hmm. sorting. I go and I go to punt returns, and I go let's Listen see return yards. And down there, I think they're last. Denver, oh, Denver wasn't too bad in punt returns, actually. Are you talking uh, average or volume? A volume of 230, okay. uh, 230 yards, but kick returns, uh, kick return yards, 291 yards over the course of the entire year. You know, I mean, no, there's, I say scrap the kick returns and that's maybe because I'm watching, you know, Denver every week too. Um, but I mean, the New York jets had almost 1400 yards of returns. They had a lot more returns, but that's, just start the ball on the 25. I mean, yep. 17 games, you had 230 yards of returns. That's crazy. Yeah, not good. Not good special teams. Um, not at all. Uh, so I guess my big takeaway um, from the draft, and guys, we'll talk more day three tomorrow. My favorite round was round four, so we can get excited about that. Really love the picks they got there um, in Awuzurike and uh, Damari Mathis. But my big takeaway was, thank God, uh, the Broncos have Russell Wilson 
and four went or four goad, whatever that, whatever you want to call it there. Uh, the 2022 draft class at quarterback because it was as bad and bleak as uh, we made it out to be. And we kind of started to talk ourselves in there just because the quarterbacks always go. So why wouldn't they continue to go? Um, but I wonder if we're seeing a change in the thoughts and market on quarterback in general, uh, because, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is still out there. Baker Mayfield is still out there. Um, there's still guys available. If you don't have the superhero ability or traits, you're not as valued and teams why are rather just, why overpay you know, and why then also pay why overpay for middling talent and why start your clock once no. you take that quarterback at one spot guess what you better figure it out in the next two years otherwise boom you're you're going to be out of a job so but uh, Lawrence, and lawrence we, we talk about this a lot it's about probability yeah mm-hmm. i think one of these guys probably will end up being a plus starter to the nfl which one yeah. you know and which one were you willing to throw your first round pick at because there was only one team that was there's only one team willing to throw a first round pick, and that was Pittsburgh Steelers at Kenny Pickett. No one else was even willing to bet a second round pick that one of these guys would be the guy. Looking yeah. back over the entire draft, we've got a thousand players to choose from. One of you, it's the old five star, two star argument. You guys don't know anything. This two star guy outplayed your five star guy. There's 40,000 two star guys. There's 25 five star guys. I bet you a two star guy is going to be the best player in this draft. You know, so it, it happens. But probability, which one of the guys were you willing to take the chance on? I didn't like any of them. I didn't. I, I said, in the, coming back from the senior bowl, I'm more convinced than ever that I do not want a quarterback in the first round. There were 32 no. teams at the senior bowl. No. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's my main takeaway. Um, it's a little bit of a bummer. The quarterbacks did not come off the board uh, because if they had, uh, guess what? The guys that the Broncos reportedly wanted there at pick 64 might have been there. You know, two more quarterbacks come off the board. Maybe one of Cam Taylor Britt or uh, Drake Jackson falls down to you at pick 64 and you're, you know, you're doing jumping jacks in the war room there. But uh, that's not the case. No quarterback. I think that's the latest. The second quarterbacks come off the board since uh, Gerald Ford was in office. Um, so, uh, <laughs> That's insane. when there were 72 draft rounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely insane. And the latest, the uh, f- first quarterback was taken since 1997. That's what, uh, so, that's what I, that's what y'all said the other day. So I've repeated it as if it's fact. So I hope it, it is. is. It is. Yeah, but uh, that one is uh, good to be back on a Monday. It feels like it, it's been a while since I've seen you and it. It really hasn't. There's just been so much going on. So Nick, why don't you get yeah. us on out of here? Absolutely. Well, guys, we're going to be back tomorrow to keep processing uh, this draft class and talk it through with you guys and keep bringing the contents and your thoughts. Um, You know, overall, people are saying the Broncos did fine in this draft class. It's not the amazing class 2021, but they were they were never going to repeat last year's class, not having the draft capital they did. And in general, the draft is volatile. Uh, The Broncos, I've heard, have went with a different some different parameters in the analytics this year that might make their board a little bit wonkier than the consensus. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the Broncos had the most, according to Warren Sharp, uh, had the worst value uh, per their picks of any team in the draft this year where they overdrafted the highest overall capital compared to where guys were expected to go. We'll see how that turns out. Um, that could be a bunch of hogwash. It could be something. Um, we'll find out uh, a year from now. We'll find out five years from now. We'll continue to gather data and uh, learn from this. But either way, Broncos got better. Uh, this weekend. So uh, make sure you guys leave a like on the way out. Thank you so much, Tyler. Um, also make sure you, oops, sorry. Make sure you guys are following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following us at huddle up pod, as well as at mile high huddle is also BFB underscore pod. So uh, that's our Broncos for breakfast account or 
yeah, Broncos for Breakfast account on here. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, join us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle, as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And finally, subscribe, like, and share to our page on YouTube. Also, check out Scott's channel. Uh, we're going to be going live there on Wednesday this week as well, and a lot of good content on there. A lot of Senior Bowl uh, content as well that Scott's been busy, you know, making sure people are not uh, stealing your stuff without giving <laughs> you the proper uh, proper respect. Yeah, I get a I get a kick out of that. Uh, copyright disclaimer: Act One Hundred Seven says I can use this if I want to. I'm like, mm, YouTube disagrees. So, well, thank you guys so much, and uh, yeah, I'm still uh, exhausted. Um, so, great job this weekend, guys. Thank you for grinding. It'll be a bit before we're all caught up on tape, but uh, smack my head. Everyone have a good Monday. It's uh, miserably rainy here, but uh, it's a good day to have a tired coffee and contemplation morning at the office. So I appreciate you guys. Perfect spring day in the South. Uh, helps you appreciate the season. I used to say, and I lived out in California, I'm like, you know those days in May where you just put your face up into the sunshine and go, ah, that's every day in Southern California. But you know what? When this when it doesn't change, you kind of take it for granted. So it's nice having some season. It's a perfect spring day in the South. Well, good for you guys. I'm not jealous at all. Um, <laughs> good for uh, you. Quentin, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Sunny here in Germany. And Quentin saying coming in late, uh, but it was good. Well, thank you guys so much. We'll see you tomorrow. We're going to keep talking about this draft class all week. We'll probably keep talking about it for the next uh, couple weeks because there's still plenty to dive into um, from this. But uh, get your Benito burrito, everyone. Cast the Benito and uh, have a we good one. We already used the, 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 the burrito for, uh, for um, Nathaniel Hackett, didn't we? Didn't he have the Hackett special at the local Mexican place? Yep, exactly. So it's, we should have known then. Um, so this, this is all coming together. Benito uh, sounds more Italian to me. We need, we need, we need better associations with Italian food than we've had the last couple of years. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. <laughs> more, more, more steak and potatoes, actually. I'm bringing it back around. Let's go. Uh, some Americana there. Welcome. Uh, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, choose kindness. Choose compassion. Have a great Monday. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.